Hi everyone, I'm going to be starting our series today on hearing the voice of God and we're looking at a character in the Old Testament called Elijah. Now growing up, one of the songs that my church used to sing all the time was a song that started, These are the days of Elijah and I thought well, that would be a perfect response song until I looked at the words a little bit more and realised the only time Elijah was mentioned was in those first five words and so we're not going to do that as a response song today but we are going to be looking at Elijah and Elijah's life is marked by a few things some of the things that it's marked by is food uh, and fire I like both of those things so that's exciting um, but actually there's probably areas that it's more about than food and fire but before we look at those uh, a few years ago my, my dad um, called me up and he said um, I've been to see a doctor to try and sort out something with my ears and uh, they did an MRI and they found a satsuma-sized brain tumour in his frontal lobe. Kind of overnight everything changed for us as a family. My wife Amy and I, we moved back to Nottingham for nearly a month to support my mum as my dad went through surgery and all sorts of different things happened. It was quite a roller coaster journey but we knew God being faithful in two very specific areas during that time. Uh, the first one was provision. We saw God provide for us like we never had before. Someone gave us a car for us to have during this time so we could travel between London and Nottingham. We got given money. We got found ourselves wanting nothing in a time where we really wanted to put our focus on family and looking after one another. The other thing we saw in a way that I haven't really experienced up until that point was God's power working in and through us. There was a verse that was very poignant to us at the time, talking about his grace being sufficient for us and his power being made perfect in weakness. And we really felt that. We saw God's power do a healing work in my dad of something that the doctor said should have taken years happened in days and weeks. It was amazing to see all of that. And actually, food and fire is something that does mark out the life of Elijah. But more than that, we see the life of Elijah marked out by provision and power. So hearing the voice of God, this is a prophet's job. Elijah was exactly that. He was arguably the most prominent prophet in the Old Testament. And we see him in his life, trusting God in these areas and more. Um, Susie read for us just earlier. And um, to give a bit of context to how we got to the passage that she read, uh, the, they were in a drought uh, in, in the area that they were in. They were in a drought. And um, in general, in the Old Testament, prophets like Elijah were raised up to speak to kings. Uh, and Elijah's no different. And he kind of had these arch nemesis because they didn't really listen to him and they kept doing all sorts of stuff that they shouldn't have been. And that was Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And they were killing all of God's prophets at the time. And in 1 Kings 17, the chapter before our reading today, ravens bring Elijah bread when he's hungry, so you've got food and provision. Um, he, he meets a widow who is about to, with her last bit of oil and her last bit of flour, bake her and her son some bread so that afterwards they can die. Quite a sombre story. And Elijah says, hey, can you bake me some? And, and God, through supernatural means, provides for this flour and this oil to never run out until the rain comes and that's Elijah seeing God's provision and people who are attached to Elijah seeing God's provision as well and all of that's great but then suddenly this widow's son he dies and this widow is really angry with Elijah she's like you're supposed to be a man of God what is happening here and then Elijah does something weird I'm not gonna lie read it if you want he does something that I don't think will pass a DBS inspection at the moment but he lays on top of this boy as he prays and this boy comes back to life, an amazing story of God's power. Like I say, another thing that marks the life 
of Elijah. After this chapter, Elijah went to visit the king Ahab with a message and he ended up being the only prophet of the Lord who was left. It was a guy called Obadiah who tried to save a whole bunch of them but wasn't able to. Versus hundreds of prophets of Baal, which is the name of the gods that these people were worshipping at the time. And we get to this moment, to today's story in 1 Kings 18 verse 20 to 39. And Elijah is standing in front of the people and saying, how long will you waver? This is verse 21 between two opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And this contest starts. How often do we waver between two opinions, picking what God says is right or picking what we think is best. We look at a story like this and go, we we definitely choose God, but in the small things, I don't know if that's really true. Do we really put God first? Do we choose the Lord or do we choose a, a bar? And the people, they weren't saying anything when Elijah said this. And so he said, right, I'll get a bull and you prophets of Baal, you do the same and put it on an altar and we will pray to our God to light the altar with fire. He says in verse 24, the God who answers by fire, he is God. We've got food and we've got fire. And then the people say, yeah, what you say is good. Let's do that. End of verse 24. And then the prophets of Baal, 400 of them, they dance around from morning until noon and no one is answering. And Elijah begins to taunt them. He's going, maybe your gods are asleep. Maybe they're eating. Maybe they're unavailable because they're doing something else midday passed and they're still trying to get their god to hear but there is no response verse 29 no one answered no one paid attention there are so many things that we worship so many things that we hold of value areas we look to for provision places we look to to feel worth to feel value to get our okay from those around us. They're loud voices so often. This is what you have to do to be loved. This is what you have to gain to have all you need. This is what you need to be valued, approved of, secure, accepted, loved, significant. And metaphorically, these things shout at us, trying to fill a hole. And then Elijah said to the people, come here to me. And they came to him and he prepared the altar of the Lord. He put 12 stones one for each of the tribes, and he put the bull on top. And then he said, pour water on it. Fill four large jugs with water. This is the end of verse 33. Elijah's got some serious game here. And then he goes, do it again. Put more on. And they did. He has got so much game here. And he's going, guys, I'm going to prove that this has to be God. This can't be just me. A third time, he says, put more water on the altar and it run round and it filled the trench around the altar. Now, for any of you that like camping, you know that water and wood and fire, they don't go very well together. So he must trust God in this moment. He must know that he needs to show a sign to the people there to say this has to be God. This just can't, this can't just be a trick. He probably remembers the bread that ravens bought him. He probably remembers the bread that this woman baked over and over again for him. He probably remembers this boy being raised, the times that God has come through for him. And he refuses to believe that God won't come through for him here as well. It's when we know that these promises of God last more than a fleeting moment where God has spoken to us in the past. We can trust it. Elijah is putting his kind of relationship with God and his trusting God on the line here saying, I trust you. My God is going to answer with fire and is going to show to you who the true God is. 
He says in verse 37, answer me, Lord, answer me. So that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back Again, he calls to a God that he knows, a God that has moved for his people in the past, brought them out of Egypt, provided for them all of these different things. He's talking about a God that has provided in the past and he's resting on it, a God that is going to provide for him right there and then. So when he calls out to God, he's calling out to the God of history. And then verse 38, the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones and the soil, and licked up the water in the trench. And this is the people's response. Verse 39, they fell to the floor and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. You see, a demonstration of God's power changes our posture to worship. Elijah, after this, has to run away, fearing his life. And just after, again, we see God look after him. He sends an angel to care for his needs, gives him more food, provision and power are working in and through Elijah's life. But what does this story teach us? How should we respond well the people bowed down in worship and recognized who the one true god was did they turn back to him after that full stop no absolutely not god's people continued to turn away from him all through the old testament it's full of the of god's people rejecting him time and time again you know elijah lived knowing god's provision and knowing god's power and in small ways and then in big ways like this story on mount carmel the basis to be able to step out in faith was a lived experience of God showing up for him and moving in power. Bread made, boy raised, fire fall down. He was trusting God to provide for his needs. He expected a demonstration of God's power when he called on his name. The basis of believing for God's provision and working in the power of God comes from knowing that we are God's people. And that that same power lives in us. That's how we take it from an Old Testament story to a today truth for us. Let's think for a moment about a mountain in the New Testament. The mountain of transfiguration. Jesus took Peter, James and John up a high mountain where they witnessed a most wonderful sight. Jesus was glorified before their eyes and he appeared there with Moses and Elijah. And when we think about it, these two characters fit perfectly in this scene. Moses is the person who is all about the law, okay? The great lawgiver in Israelite history. And Elijah was one of the first of God's great prophets. And so you see them both there as the kind of the celebrities of the Jewish faith. And Jesus is there glorified before them. And this occurred on a mountain. We have these experiences there. And in this moment, Jesus is saying to the three disciples, now through the Bible, to each and every single one of us, hey guys, remember Elijah, I'm greater. Remember his message to Israel, I'm I'm the answer. Remember Moses and the law, I came to fulfil that. For Peter, James and John, this would have been a ministry defining moment where they realised that, hey, this guy's God. Jesus is, he, he must be God. And in this story, we hear the voice of God, the audible voice of God. And we don't hear that very often in the New Testament. And so when we hear it, we should really take note of what those words say. Jesus stood there and remains the answer to eternal provision and the source of power that we know through the Holy Spirit in us. And this voice of God from heaven says, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. What Elijah knew in part in hearing the voice of God, sometimes in huge, we can know in a full way through a relationship with Jesus. Want to hear the voice of God? 
read his words. Read the Bible. There is a central character, a transformative character. It's not Elijah, it's Jesus. The Old Testament conceals him, it whispers his name. The New Testament reveals him, it shouts him as God. Feel lack, look to Jesus. Feel loss, look to Jesus. Sick of this pandemic and all it means, look to Jesus. Need breakthrough, look to Jesus. I told you earlier about um, the story of my dad and what he went through when he had to have this operation uh, of this big brain tumour. And he lost a lot of, of who he was initially. It was all in an area of the brain that was to do with inhibition and all those kinds of things. And he went from a place where he was in a pretty weird place and saying some stuff that wasn't like him and acting in a way that I didn't remember to be my dad. And his recovery was remarkable. We saw God's power move through it. What he should have done in years, he did in weeks. He lost the whole of his left side at one point when he had a stroke and he, got, he was playing badminton with me at Centre Parks two and a half months after his operation. Some really miraculous healing. But what I also noticed in my dad in this time, from the times where he was at his worst all the way through to today, there's two things that never cha changed. Number one, his love for my mum. And number two, his knowledge of the Bible and his ability to quote scripture. You see, if we root ourselves in the way that God speaks to us primarily through his word, then in whatever moment we find ourselves in our life, that can flow out of us. This wasn't that my dad read the Bible once before he went into surgery. It was a lifetime practice. Want to hear the voice of God? Root yourself in Jesus. Want to know who this Jesus is? Read his word. He had proximity and we can have proximity to know provision and power by getting to know God's word. Jesus came so that we can know provision in life, life to the full right now, and provision in eternity by the Holy Spirit. And we can live knowing that same power that conquered the grave live in us. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20 says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. And we are called to live and love for Jesus with all we have. But it's not just believing a set of flimsy ideals, but a powerful person, a powerful God with his Holy Spirit living in us. And are we trusting God from that place today? Trusting that he will provide for us, trusting that his power can work through you and me. Do we pray that way? Do we love that way? Are we so deeply rooted in God's word that we are ready to listen when he speaks? How do we need to hear the voice of God today? I'd encourage you to respond in this way. Trusting God to provide for our needs, repenting where we've trusted other things and tried to make it happen on our own, and to expect a demonstration of God's power when we call on his name. Where do we want to ask God to break in today? Do we believe that he can? Where have we tried to do it on our own? You see, Elijah listened and heard God's voice. And through the person of Jesus, the word became flesh. Through the words written in the Bible, we hear the promise of provision and the promise of power are we setting ourselves up to hear it, really listen and walk in its truth?